Many of us tend to think of temperance as a purely negative and perhaps strenuous restraining of human passion and desire. Yet Aquinas calls temperance serenity of the spirit. Indeed, the serenity that fills the inmost recesses of the human being and is the seal and fruit of order, as Joseph Pieper writes. Today, we're going to be digging into the fourth of the four cardinal virtues, temperance, on this episode 22 of Deep in Christ. Back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, sharing with you another discussion about our daily task of growing deeper in relationship with and in imitation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks again for being here. Uh, today, Father Peter joins me again for another discussion on the virtues. We've been going through this long study, and we're now turning to the fourth of the four cardinal virtues, temperance. Now, you know, temperance, it, like all the virtues, is, is a concept, is a word that has picked up a lot of baggage. Um, we have to kind of start by examining the word, examining our, our preconceptions of, of the notion of this virtue. We tend to think of temperance purely in its moderating function, not eating too much, not drinking too much, etc. Um, but there's a lot more to temperance. Um, as I said earlier, uh, Aquinas calls temperance this serenity of spirit that arises from an inner order. Unlike the other virtues, temperance is the virtue that turns inward to the inner life of man and examines the order or disorder. And, and uh, again, in prudence, along with the other the cardinal virtues, it seeks to put order into that inner life. Uh, and again, so that the, on that may be the negative side, this restraining, this ordering, this need to moderate, this need to temper. But then there's the positive fruit of that, which is this serenity of spirit, this purity of heart, this greater openness, greater ability to love God, and that's the goal of temperance. So, we're digging into this new study today. Father Peter and I, we had a really good discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Let's dig in. Today, we are starting our study on temperance. And, you know, what's funny about this is that we actually tried to start this study a couple weeks ago. Yep. We lost some footage there. But, you know what? I'm, I'm kind of glad it Then followed always... a quite intemperate destruction of the <laughs> studio. <laughs> I went and did some. I went and did some. <laughs> No, well, no, I feel like since then it's been on my heart and my mind, and I feel like I've worked through my thoughts a little bit uh, more. And I think that's good because I, I'm realizing that I think temperance of of the four cardinal virtues, in some ways, it's the most complex mm. because it really it gets down and deals with our our complex humanity, our complex system of drives and passions, and um, a, a whole world within us that has a lot of disorder mm. as a result of the fall. And something, that, an area of our life that takes kind of, it's the process of our whole life to bring that into order, uh, cooperating with the grace of God. But I just think for a lot of reasons, some of which we'll, I think we'll get into, is just that it's a, it's a more complex virtue than the others. I think there's also more, um, there's more sub-virtues. There are more kind of perfections and, and uh, imperfections of temperance, you know, more areas that we can really see it fleshed out in, in the, the ways that we have to work on virtue in our life. Yeah. yeah, and the other the other cardinal virtues, they the it would seem that the the material or the kind of the good versus evil fights that they're dealing with tend to be a bit more stark when it comes really down to it. Mm. In the sense that prudence 
Prudence, in one really big sense, is a battle between truth, reality, and falseness and unreality. Yeah, like right. It's a very singular truth. Very singular. Else. Yeah, yeah, in a very singular division. You know, it's real or it's not real. You know, mm-hmm. or it's it's truth or it's not untruth. I'm in the sense that you're trying to face oneself to reality when you do that, and trying to dispel the untruths. You know, um, that that assuage our senses and our minds. Mm-hmm. Justice is very much going to have a facing of this is right and this is wrong, you know, in an in, in ultimate sense. And it's very objective. Very objective. It's like real relationships out there in the world. Yeah. yeah. Fortitude, you know, it, uh, fortitude is a little, it's getting farther and closer to where things are a bit muddier, but it ultimately comes down to, you know, enduring uh, enduring things that would that would keep us back from basically doing, doing what is just, mm-hmm. things that would withhold us fear and things like that and facing through those things. But... Um, but temperance, because of it, turns in towards ourselves, mm-hmm. and it deals with an interplay between, as we will talk about later, yeah. a selflessness, a desire, and, and, and justice, injustice, in, in, not injustice, but with justice, yeah. uh, desire for love of God and love of the other, uh, first and foremost, but because it has to take that into an interplay with things like self-preservation mm-hmm. and self-care and different things like that. There's a sort of a muddying, you know. It's it not not muddying in the sense of true grayness, but it's harder to kind of actually be able to discern, and distinguish, and be able to say this is this is the right thing. You yeah, know? so I think it deals a lot more with like the finding the virtuous mean in things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about uh, it's it's neither overeating nor undereating. It's trying to eat well and eat right in order to take care of your body. And so, yeah, it's 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 a much more practical, nitty gritty of trying to find out what's mm. the right. Uh, way in a concrete practical yeah. way it's being like a wizard how so this one wizard is never early nor late <laughs> he arrives precisely when he means to nice <laughs> so temperance is a wizard that's <clears> what <throat> so, so temperance far. is a wizard you know let's talk turn that into a t-shirt <laughs> before we get deep into this let's just kind of address i like i love how uh, joseph peeper our, our muse for this study um he always starts with the word and looks at the ways that it's commonly used and the common impressions that, that we have about it. Because we, oftentimes we have to disabuse those notions a little bit in order to really be receptive to the full meaning of the word. And so, you know, one thing he points out at, at the beginning of his section uh, on temperance is um, he's going back a little bit to his, when he, he did a similar thing with prudence on how popularly when we hear prudent or prudence, we're usually thinking of something extremely dull and weak and kind of pathetic. You know, we mm. might think of prudence sometimes uh, wrongly as something that's opposed to courage. You know, there's the courageous man who goes out and gets stuff done, and the prudent person cautiously stands in the back. And, and of course, he disabused that notion thoroughly, that that's not prudence at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, courage is not courage unless it's coming out of prudence. Prudence means turning to reality and seeking the right. Um, so with that in mind, too, he, he, he uses this phrase, prudent moderation, is something mm-hmm. we might hear mm-hmm. as as kind of this common way to sort of calm down anyone who's getting too excited, <laughs> yeah. you know, even about something good. Like, yeah. oh, you're taking your faith, you're taking your relationship with Jesus way too seriously. No. Moderation in all things, you know. Yeah, don't be a Jesus freak. Yeah, you know, just kind of be, just be normal like us, you know. And yeah. that's that's certainly not what moderation as a component of temperance means and we've made a, this joke a bland moderation yeah. of it, all of you yeah. yeah and we made this joke before too that it's a 
his his way of going about it is a very prudent way of going about yes. it because ultimately that's what it does. It's first of all, it just takes a step back and tries to find the ways that the wool has sort of been pulled over our eyes mm-hmm. by kind of our contemporary understanding of these words or just these notions. You yeah. know, so f- for getting to temperance, it's on one hand the the thing that he tries to help us to understand is that the word is used wrong, but also just that our notion of the virtue of temperance, as we'll get into later. Yeah. Even just kind of taking the word aside, but just in terms of like what things we strive for in terms of, of of kind of selflessness, you know, um, mm-hmm. and of tempering one oneself. Even those things, uh, we we tend to we tend to go overboard, but not in the sense of just kind of being too severe with them, but just not hitting the right means, you right. know, by which that not seen in the right way. So he starts very prudently by stepping yeah. back and saying, "Okay, well, that's what's real," you know. Yeah. I want to read this quote here that, that addresses some of that. He, this is on 145. Uh, Peeper writes, We all know that the term prudent moderation tends to crop of, up whenever... I'm sorry. We all know that the term prudent moderation tends to crop up when the love of truth or some other generous impulse threatens to take an extreme risk. This emasculated concept of moderation has no place in a doctrine which asserts that the love of God, fountainhead of all virtues, knows neither mean nor measure. Again, temperance, it does involve uh, a moderation, a tempering, a restraining, a defending. We'll talk through all that as we go. But on the other side of that, that reordering of what maybe is disordered within us is a full flowering of our human being. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is about. It's, you know, we've, we've mentioned the quote a couple times, make of yourself capacity and I will make myself a torrent is a, mm-hmm. you know, that was, was a words uh, that a mystic received from, from our Lord, that as we make ourselves open, as we as we purify our hearts in temperance, um, we're more open to be able to be fully attached, fully in love, fully enlivened by God's grace. And that's what this is about. So there is a negative aspect of it, a, a pulling back, a restraining, a tempering, um, a meeking the horses, so to speak. Um, but it's for a purpose. It's mm-hmm. for a flowering. It's for a flourishing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What isn't temperance? What is intemperance? What isn't temperance? What isn't temperance? <laughs> Let's just start at the beginning of the alphabet. <laughs> 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 we started getting there that it's not just, obviously, it's not just purely moderation. Right, right. right. In the sense of, it's not moderation for moderation's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just this idea like, well, just do eat less mm-hmm. or drink less. You know, um, that there's, which is funny because, yeah, there, there's no, there's no positiveness to that. There's no doing this for the sake of something else, some other, some right. other good that will, that will be kind of preserved mm-hmm. by just that definition. Right. Most of the time when we do eat less, it will, it, it can be oriented, you know, it can inevitably kind of turn and point itself towards another good, yeah. a good thing. Drinking less, we preserve kind of our rational, you know, our yeah. rational self in all, in all means, in all ways. And oftentimes it, it. It's just for us better bodily in a number of different ways. Mm-hmm. But but in and of itself, just to kind of focus on that as the as the virtue, yeah. um, it's not much. You know, right. that's just a negative thing. That's just kind of bringing us sort of back from some some craziness, you know. But yeah, I guess another thing temperance is not, it is again, as we said before, it is not in contradiction and not in conflict with any of the other virtues. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's a key here is that mm. you know Temperance is courageous. Temperance mm-hmm. is just. Temperance is prudent. You know, so the person again that there's a restraint in temperance proper. There's a, a restraining and ordering, a tempering, but then that 
that is in concert with a greater boldness and courage Mm -hmm. that is in concert with the ability to do what is right, you know, to do justice in all my relationships, the ability to, to be prudent, to be a person who is fiercely, radically devoted and converted to reality. And so again, maybe in some sense, all the virtues, they, they, they round out each other. You know, we, we understood, we got into prudence and that made more sense to the other virtues, but then justice elaborated on what prudence does. And then courage showed more of what justice looks like in action when it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, so too with temperance, we see that, that, um, all those virtues in some sense, um, um, lead us to, uh, this ordering, this tempering of, 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 uh, our, our inner life, but also that that they all depend, they all kind of draw some of their power from whether or not we're in, whether our, the person proper, whether my inner life, my passions, my desires, whether they're tempered and ordered well, then all those other virtues receive a greater power, a greater flourishing through that. And so there's this, again, always this interconnectivity between these different perfections of, of the human soul, hmm. habitual perfections. That line you read earlier, he said, moderation also, quote-unquote moderation also, is too negative in its implication and signifies too exclusively restriction, curtailment, curving, bridling, and repression, which are all in contradiction to the classic, all again in contradiction to the classic prototype of the fourth cardinal virtue. So he says those things are in contradiction to the classic prototype of the fourth cardinal. Classic prototype not meaning the way that we have misaligned it, but classic meaning the true meaning. Um, So... To, to, to exclusively talk about it in terms of restriction or to exclusively to talk about it in terms of curbing or bridling or repression. Yeah, it does reinforce something actually I was talking about before the show. Yeah, um, that I still sometimes do see kind of a negative curtailing aspect to it, but to talk about it exclusively as that, mm-hmm. as just curtailing passion is like, yeah, it's like a person making a horse and then sticking it in the stable and never pulling it out. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, in yeah, in the yeah. sense that it it the point the reason that we the reason that we order the passions within us is so that they can re- receive you know they can be put in force to the what is good right you know towards towards the right good yeah. um, not just and so they can be repressed and stuck in some shadowy dark place of our soul and being where they from whence they never come out. Yeah, there's that classic uh, quote, perhaps apocryphal quote. I don't remember which church father was alleged to have said it, but the glory of God is man fully alive, mm-hmm. you know, to be fully alive. And that, that doesn't mean to be less human. That means to be more human, you know, so all of our human nature is fully alive, fully mm-hmm. in harmony. And it seems like that would be this image of temperance, this, a man fully alive, a woman mm-hmm. fully alive in their humanness, mm-hmm. you know, in cooperation with God's grace. Yeah. My hunger, well, to bring it to food, which is something we have, well, obviously, you know, Talk, more. talk, talk yeah. about when it comes to temperance. Yeah, you know my hunger uh, and my uh, my uh, capacity. <laughs> it's funny. I love that. I was just thinking of Pirates of Penzance, the old uh, play, <laughs> right? You know the uh, uh, the when he's talking. You know they're singing about the singing about the pirates and the, yeah. the, the policemen are singing about the pirates and everything. Mm-hmm. And it says when uh, their minds are not engaged in their employment. Yeah. Or uh, wrapped up in some felonious little plan, their capacity for innocent, innocent enjoyment, enjoyment is just the same as any honest man. This is a show of very high culture. Absolutely, right here, you know, referencing old. We're drinking tea, classical, no. classical <laughs> opera, it's coffee. Here, yeah. But um, the point is that my ability to not only not only like to satiate my hunger, 
yeah. and that desire to satiate my hunger, which is a matter of self-preservation, but also my capacity to enjoy my food mm-hmm. are good things. Yeah. They are very good things. Now, because of our fallenness, mm-hmm. there's kind of a ravenous sort of wanting to sort of <laughs> to take and to take and take and, and, and mm-hmm. for the, only the purpose of that enjoyment such an, in such a way that actually is harmful to my being. And so right. it goes against self-preservation too. Yeah. But but the thing is that in, in curtailing and ordering those things, yeah. we actually gain the ability to enjoy those mm-hmm. pleasures more, yeah. you would say, in the sense of, uh, you know, <laughs> there's a beauty, there's a true beauty to you know, sitting there for a minute and eating a single strawberry, mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a beauty to that yeah. in the sense of that we're able to appreciate it more and stuff like that. And we're able to control ourselves. And there's even just a, a serenity, as you like, you like to use, about just that ability to sit there and enjoy a single thing in moderation with great appreciation. It's perhaps helpful to start with some of these images that we can have in our mind going forward. You know, like the, we would imagine that the temperate saint as being the person for whom again their their hunger their thirst their their sexual desire is something that wherever it's experienced it's this positive thing so you know their their hunger for food when it's when it is time to eat that they really enjoy and that there's an ever greater gratitude and a wonderment at the creator for his creation and when it's time to fast or when it's just not time to eat again even the experience of hunger is a is a is a a, a reminder of being alive. It's the mm-hmm. sense of vitality. It's this hunger that reminds the person what their true purpose is. It's not food. It's, it's. A, you can imagine the saint for whom even those experiences of those of those desires, those passions, are all turned around to be something that always points back to God, whether it's a time to feast or a time to fast. And that's in stark contrast to most of us. And I put myself at the first of the line here. Who tends to swing between overindulgence mm-hmm. and then like a, a reactive um asceticism you know mm-hmm. like eating too much and then being like oh gosh i need to i need to just, just not look up. at food again you know yeah and so that's what we tend to when we don't have temperance we tend to swing between these uh, actions and overreactions um rather than becoming a person for whom this harmonious inner life always at every moment points us to a greater love of god mm-hmm. in many ways temperance Really, or this this proper understanding of temperance really aligns with and is in some ways I think a sum, not a summation but a large, uh, a large and important piece, uh, if not just the kind of central underlying piece of the the recent uh, and right, rightly rightly so the recent obsession with the theology of the body. Mm. I mean, because that's a new reaction against kind of a Puritan understanding of the of the body that. Uh, that has just been around for so long that just sees yeah. the things of the body as as just wrong and need to be basically just curtailed and right. kind of shut in a cage inside so the, our souls. The theology of the body, you know, is this uh, the uh, a collection of teachings from St. John Paul the Great, St. John Paul II, uh, Pope John Paul II. Uh, and he did these these catechetical teaching on the meaning and purpose of the, bot, of the human body and sexuality. And again, the, the, the connection, the significance here in particular is that, that the body— uh, is good, created by God to be good, created by God to image himself. Mm. And so um, we tend to look at the body only in its disorder and tend to end up with this really negative view of the body rather than seeing, you know, what was the original order? Yes, it's it's been broken and it's it needs some reordering. It needs healing. It needs temperance. It needs temperance. <laughs> yes. But in yeah. its when, it, when it's flower, when it's reordered, we can see there what God was trying to do. We can see how the body 
the body, the human sexuality, the family, how they image God, they teach us about God, they teach us about his plan. And so, yeah, there was a huge focus in the past 10, 20 years on that. And exactly as you're saying, it's because it was responding to an, uh, to a swing in the other direction of a real negativity toward the body, you know, uh, at, at some times in some ways in Christianity and in culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, the, the swingings between a very Puritan negative sense of the body and then an unrestrained sexual liberation, sexual revolution kind of attitude. And so, again, temperance is this is this um, reordering where we yeah. see the see what the body uh, what it really is for and and the real beauty of what it looks like when the human mm-hmm. person is fully alive. Right, in theology of the body, usually when we talk about it, we're usually kind of talking about. We oftentimes would make reference of it in terms of the sexual person, but ultimately it is the theology of our bodies in its full sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's going to be ultimately, a, it, it, it's ultimately trying to uh, recondition and, and help us to rediscover just our, our self-understanding of our bodies in a positive way. And, mm-hmm. you know, having a kind of a, a positive way in which we can cultivate virtue within kind of our bodies. And ultimately that's what we're doing with temperance and trying to kind of take a step back and look at the, what are the ways that we've we've wrongfully thought of temperance as yeah. just restraint, as just moderation right. when it comes to all these different things? One capacity of it being chastity and unchastity, yeah. um, but but uh, w- what is the way in which it actually is about positively, mm-hmm. uh, positively ordering our bodies according our beings? Yeah. Um, a lot of the things having to do with the body ultimately in temperance, but. Um, but how is it a way of ordering our our ur- ur- urges and our desires and our our, uh, our powers of being yeah. uh, in such a way as to mirror and and to get back to what was the original proper ordering that God has written into our beings right. you know, that has become disordered by the fall. Yeah, oftentimes in reference to theology of the body, and again, this may something that that our our audience is not necessarily familiar with. We'll talk about it more in the future, and um, certainly there's a lot of great resources out there on the, the theology of the body. It's a great teaching, but it's extremely scriptural. Uh, you know, uh, looking at the you know in, in the beginning, uh, God made them in His image, male and female, um, and we see you know the, the effect of the fall, but we also see um, Christ saying you know in the beginning it was not so; it was not supposed to be this way. You know, and calling us back to uh, a recapturing of the original purpose and beauty of marriage, marital love in the case of sexuality. But I love the the wedding at Cana as um, mm-hmm. as an image of, well, Christ, he goes to a wedding and what is he, he doesn't go there and, and, hey, you're all eating too much and you shouldn't be drinking alcohol and, you know, um, he, 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 he takes a very high view of this marriage so much that that becomes the place of his first public miracle. And he gives, in, far from... Um, uh, Far from crashing the party, he goes there and, and gives them better wine. Mm-hmm. And that's a great image of what, again, Christ wants to do uh, to our fallen human nature. You know, we, we find ourselves disordered. We find our, our humanness broken. But he wants to give us healing. You know, he wants to reorder us. He wants to uh, to get us to back to that original order, you know, that our, our desire for food and drink and sex and all your other drives and passions reordered so that they... they uh, become this dy- dynamism, this power that that, um, that pulls us closer to him. Mm-hmm. You know? So we've started with a lot of images, but... A lot of images and a lot of, yeah, so we maybe... <laughs> we're, we're moving more into, are we moving this first episode more into kind of what, what it is strictly? Yeah, we'll have a few, yeah, yeah, a few more bullet points here. So one thing, okay. so in, in trying to specify this a bit more, uh, Pieper talks about, one way he describes it is... Um, 
Temperance is this serenity of spirit that flows from an, an inner ordering. You know, temperance is a it disposes the, the various parts uh, uh, to be to work as an ordered whole. So it's a harmony. It's an inner harmony. And as you pointed out earlier, unlike the other virtues, uh, you know, prudence looks toward the big things, the principles. Mm-hmm. You know, the first principles. You know, the the big truth behind all things. And justice looks to the relationships. Courage looks outward towards external threats. Temperance is the one virtue that really looks inward at the person himself, mm-hmm. and and uh, disposes the parts of the self to work as a, a harmonious whole. Yep. And the the fruit of that again is this serenity of spirit. That's I think that comes from Aquinas talking about this serenity of spirit. The primary and essential meaning of temperare, uh, temperance, therefore, is this: to dispose various parts into one uni- unified and ordered whole. He says, uh, it's on 147, the purpose yeah. and goal of temperarania. Temperantia is yeah. man's inner order from which alone this serenity of spirit can flow forth. Yeah. I like the way that you talk too about, yeah. we all probably met people in life who who don't just have like joyfulness, you know, like mm. they're just happy all the time or don't just kind of have sort of like an apparent peacefulness, but there's some people who just seem to have kind of serenity of, not having to struggle as much anymore yeah. against like these different things of just have or have you know by the grace of God and their their work have sort of ordered their themselves habitually in such a way that that temperance is a virtue of yeah. theirs um, and they have a serenity about that you know right. their being is working in proper order you know they are working mm-hmm. as a well-ordered machine and because of that they are flourishing mm-hmm. and there's just a peacefulness about that even in the midst of kind of their their uh their zeal and other things that may be going there's a, there's a serenity there that's awesome yeah and we're all like we want i want that want like can that. i have that where'd you get that yeah. another thing he points out uh he, he writes on 148 it is a commonplace though nevertheless mysterious truth that man's inner order unlike that of the crystal the flower or the animal is not simply given not simply a given and self-evident reality, but rather that the same forces from which human existence derives its being can upset that inner order to the mm-hmm. point of destroying the spiritual and moral person. Mm-hmm. That this cleavage in human nature, provided we do not try to persuade ourselves that it does not exist, finds its explanation only in the acceptance by faith of the revealed truth of original sin is too vast a subject to be discussed here. Uh, it seems necessary, however, to consider more closely the structure of that inner order and disorder. Um I read further than I meant to there. But so, the, po- the point yeah, is, though, yeah. like in the crystal, in the flower, in the dog, that 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 inner order is sort of just given to them. You know, they, they're not affected by original sin in the way that we are. They have mm-hmm. their nature and it just flows from them and they just they follow their programming, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But we find ourselves with um, all those drives and orders inside ourselves. Like we're the one being who in this really unique human way can really be self-destructive mm-hmm. and, like, in a, in like a very... Uh, you know, purposeful, willed way that we can allow ourselves to to self destruct. You know, one uh, passion, one um, drive, taking over all all the rest and and messing everything up. And so, unlike uh, unlike uh, the animal or the the flower or the crystal, we're like we have to unless there's pursue. yeah unless there's something physically wrong with, right yeah with the animal but yeah. yeah we have to realize that order in us and again it's something we can't do alone we do with, in cooperation with god's grace right. but but he's he's helping to reorder and mend the the effects of sin right. in us so what are, all right so it talks about how yeah. 
the powers within ourselves that are flow from our being and are ordered towards basically the flourishing of our being mm-hmm. are also now, because of our fallenness, the same powers which can use wrongly destroy, so it kind of work towards the destroying of our being. So what are those powers that, that, are, that are kind of, because of our fallenness, are sometimes at war, not with each other, but basically with themselves uh, mm-hmm. within us? Yeah, I mean, Aquinas would call them the, the concupiscible appetites or these appetites of desire, but it's for things like uh, food and drink and sex, mm-hmm. you know, these things that naturally are supposed to be about the preservation of the species, of bringing about new life, bringing about the flourishing of life. But it goes beyond food and drink and sex. It's also things like um, our desire for kind of uh, affirmation and self-fulfillment. I mean, he talks about this a little bit later. Right. Well, know. he says he gives yeah. kind of three essential sort of yeah. like very pr- primal, primitive ones that we, we can all see where others flow from those things. But mm-hmm. he says self-preservation, self-assertion, and self-fulfillment yeah. are essentially the, the force or the, the kind of the three primary things. And the forces of those things are, uh, there are real forces kind of inside of us um, that are good, yeah. but easily become disordered because they are taken out of our, uh, they're taken out of proper order in relation to all the other things that are, are part of our, our being that God has made us to be. Right. I liked what, oh my gosh, he said, man, what he said, I loved, I loved this because the more I thought about it, I was just kind of fascinated by it. Mm-hmm. I think he said, for the since the first sin man has not been only, has been not only capable of loving himself more than he loves God as creator, but contrary to his own nature, inclined to do so. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think of primitive man, uh, you know, as or as Adam, yeah. Adam and Eve, yeah. of actually just completely naturally loving God more than themselves. Right. You know, I mean, that's just that's an awesome thing. Sometimes mm-hmm. we think of Adam and Eve as like God made them in the in the in the garden, and it's mm-hmm. like they're like thanks God, and now it's like they wander around <laughs> just doing kind of whatever they want and just kind of about themselves, you know. But it's like no, they they loved God yeah. more than themselves. Um, or that, you know, that would have been what was natural. And that was in ordering of things within themselves. Mm-hmm. That even self-assertion and self-fulfillment and self-preservation and all those things uh, that come along with it that flow from them, like eating and, and drinking and, and sex and all that stuff, mm-hmm. it all took its place, you know, uh, it all was kind of ordered within themselves um, in the proper, in, in the proper uh, trajectory. Trajectory. Um, I mean, it, it was or- oriented, words, to- oriented toward the love of God. <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, yeah, oriented toward, and 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 none of them would, none of them, not, none of them were sought to break out of their mm. their natural kind of habitat. Yeah. Of, the harmony among of, them. Yeah, yeah. Of taking, uh, of 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 you know expressing themselves outward and, and, and grabbing and taking more. Mm than was appropriate in, in such a way that would destroy a higher good. I like mm. that way he talks mm. about that. These things, when they're perverted, they, they, they reach out in such a way and try to overindulge in such a way so that they, they destroy a higher good. Mm-hmm. And that just wouldn't have happened. Our order was that way. Yeah. And now, it's not that it's not that, that, that inner ordering is completely destroyed, yeah. but our tendency is for the lower things to break out and yeah. to destroy higher things. Yeah, I mean, Genesis is so fascinating because we have we have in, in the first couple this original uh, perfect trust in God 
that allows for like a perfect selflessness, like they're perfectly turned outward in perfect love of God and each other, mm-hmm. um, because they have this perfect trust in God too. But the original temptation, right, is to distrust God and be self-concerned. Mm-hmm. And it's funny; it's like as soon as like there's a one step down that path, it becomes really hard to climb back out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, again, we're, we're we're getting into a bit of a paradox here that we're going to explore more in the next episode. But that's how, like, on the one hand, all these all these drives within us, these passions, these these appetites, are for self-preservation, and they're good because they're created by God. But in the context of selfishness, they break out and become disharmonious and destructive. Whereas in the in the in the context of selflessness, that original selflessness, this perfect outward um, other centeredness, you know, love of God and, and of each other, those things stayed in, in perfect harmony. And so the the self preservation that is uh, involved in our in our in our, our human being. Um, whether it's a selfless self-preservation mm-hmm. or it's a selfless self-preservation, as Pieper calls it, yeah. that's really the key. And and that's what we're going to talk about a lot next time is yeah. uh, Pieper talks about temperance as this selfless self-preservation mm-hmm. that, we, that we practice and we um, it's sort of the result of this practice of reordering. Things. And that loops all the way back around to what we were talking about um, before that that is what is so difficult to talk about. Yeah, yeah, when it comes to temperance compared to the other virtues, right? It's because we have to, we have to be able to discern and and order things in such a way such that we can engage the powers yeah. and actually embrace powers of self preservation, mm-hmm. and yet doing them in a selfless way. Right. You know, it's like hmm, that's a tough thing to 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 actually uh, keep ordered properly. Right. You know, in one soul. Yeah. Um, and and really discern how to do that, but. Yeah, but it's so important because other, the only other answer is to basically, as we talked about, is just kind of throw everything away, yeah. you know, and that, that's, that's not helpful. For, it's not good for, it's not good for us, but it's also not good for our love of God right. because it, it, uh, it treats, treats what he treats ourselves with denigration, yeah. you know, and, and that, that's not what he calls us to do. Yeah. It isn't calls to destroy ourselves. He calls us just to love others and God more than we love ourselves and we do that actually properly with this yeah but yeah with temperance I think this points a little bit to the reason why temperance is sort of the I think there's a, again, a reason for the ordering yeah it's the fourth because it's in the context of prudence justice and courage that then we're able to now approach temperance and again it preview of the next episode um, uh, understand what a selfless self-preservation would look like mm-hmm. how a a, a a self-preservation would be an act of justice in relation to God, uh, to treat mm-hmm. oneself as someone that in obedience to God, in justice to God, I care for, like I would care for my neighbor. So mm-hmm. we're going to get to that. We're going to dig more into that. Um, so thank you for joining us for this episode of Deep in Christ. You know, <laughs> this was our introduction to temperance. It's a little bit messy perhaps, but we're going to get, we're going to get more focused as we go. Uh, this is a, such an important virtue. It's a, it's a much more complex one than I think the others, but we're going to, we're going to dig in. And so next episode, we're going to talk about selfless self-preservation as this, mm-hmm. this image of, of temperance that I think really gets us into um, uh, theoretically and practically what, how important it is and, and what it, what it looks like as something we grow in. But then beyond that, we'll get into the specific areas. We'll talk about temperance in relation to food and drink and sex and 
um, knowledge, you know, studiositas and curiositas, different relationship to knowledge and, and, and learning, um, uh, humility and pride will mm-hmm. come up, anger, you know, which yes. is this, this passion that we, uh, again, another good passion God put it in us that has to be ordered rightly. Uh, and a couple other areas I probably forgot as well. So we're going to get into those. I hope you'll join us for those conversations. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's discussion on the virtue of temperance, the first in this new series uh, on this fourth of the four cardinal virtues. You know, I really like Aquinas's uh, definition of temperance, this serenity of spirit arising from an inner order. I think that really is helpful uh, because we come at this virtue, like the other virtues, with so many preconceptions. And I really do think we, we often get stuck uh, on just the merely negative aspect of this virtue. And it does, I think our conceptions of this virtue tend to put all of our emphasis, all of our effort, all of our focus back on our own our own efforts rather than God's grace. If we're just thinking of temperance as this, this restraining of passion, this not doing the thing, uh, then we tend to focus just on our own efforts. But I think looking at temperance as the serenity of spirit arising from inner order uh, t- turns the focus back to God's grace, both his original grace in how he created our human nature as good, but also his grace that he gives us now to reorder, to help uh, begin to turn ourselves back outwards uh, and to understand how to, to to organize ourselves in such a way that we we realize you know the beauty of human nature as God intended it to be. Uh, so again, I hope you find that definition uh, helpful. We're going to dig into it more uh, next week. We're going to we're going to go a little bit deeper and explore Joseph Pieper's definition, uh, kind of a further uh, elaborating definition of temperance as selfless self-preservation. That is selfless as opposed to selfish self-preservation as this definition of temperance and that in that in a sense injustice as a mat, as an act of justice in obedience to god we are in charge of ourselves and so we take care of ourselves as someone that god has put us in charge of but it's not a selfish it's not an ego driven an egocentric self-preservation or self-focus or self-love. It is in fact a God-focused, an outward-focused, an act of justice that is the the care and the ordering, the discipline that we give to ourselves. And so I think this further definition uh, gets us into a much more practical territory as we as we dig into the, all the other aspects of temperance, all the ways that temperance flowers or, or fails in different aspects of our life, food and drink and sexuality and you know human flourishing and anger and all the other aspects of our human being. It's going to be a really great discussion. I'm, I'm glad you're following along with us. So with all that in mind, uh, as always, if you enjoy what we're doing here uh, on this show, be sure to subscribe and like and follow and your favorite po- podcast app and all that kind of stuff. And certainly, you know, if you are someone who is investigating the Catholic Church, if you yourself are a convert, if you're in RCAA, if you're thinking about becoming Catholic, or if you're just, you know, a Christian brother and sister who simply has questions, who's simply open, hey, the Coming Home Network is here for you. We're a network of converts to Catholicism and other people, uh, other Christians of goodwill who are just investigating or asking questions or maybe on the journey. And so we're a a community of people uh, supporting one another in the faith. And so we've got a lot of great resources on our website, www.chnetwork.org, videos and stories and apologetics articles uh, if if you have questions over there. But regardless of where you are in that journey, whether you're on the journey or not, 
Uh, the point of this show is that as we figure out where we're supposed to be in our Lord's church, as we discern those questions, in the meantime, we have to continue walking with Christ every day. So that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about the life of virtue, the life of following Christ, the life of prayer. So again, stick around. Uh, and the best place to follow this show and to participate, to uh, interact with us and other members of the network is at community.chnetwork.org. That's our online community for the Coming Home Network International. We'd love to have you a part of this discussion there. So once again, uh, this has been Deep in Christ. We'll hope to see you again next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.